Welcome to Bon Jovi Discussions. Today I have my buddy who's all the way over in the UK, and it's actually 11 o'clock where he's at right now. Uh, here's my buddy Mark. How you doing, buddy? Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having us. I love this podcast. It's brilliant. So. Thank you. Uh, we've been, I think we made friends, I think, within the last year on Twitter. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Twitter, yeah. back and forth and talking on Messenger as well. And, you know, I'd love to have you on again sometime and just kind of talk about you being a fan and all that. Uh, but today I have you on so we can discuss this bad boy right here. Keep right. the faith. Right. Um, you know, this was the band's fifth studio album. Uh, and this is actually, sadly, the last full album to include Alec John Such, the bassist. Uh, it was released on November 3rd, 1992. And, uh, you know, this, this album was really a new chapter for the band. This was the, in my opinion, I think this was the album that kind of made all the critics and fans and everybody knew that Bon Jovi was here to last and they weren't just an 80s has-been. You know what I mean? Yeah, everybody expected it to fail. There was a lot of people kind of, when it was released, saying it wasn't going to, you know, they couldn't cut it anymore. They were going to get lost in the hair, bear, the hair bands of Cinderella, yes. Rat, Warren, Poison. They all fell wayside. Bon Jovi survived. So it was a yeah. hell of a but it paid off hugely. So. Yeah, you know, and this, this album was really moving away from the whole 80s glam hair band sound and, I, I feel like this was more of a heavier, not heavy, heavy, but a heavier rock and roll album, a true rock and roll album, you know, and what was going on around the time was, you know, 1992 was grunge and hip hop, you know, Bon Jovi didn't do that, you know, they, and what else, what else I liked about this album too, was that they included longer guitar solos and more piano too, yeah. you yeah, know. Guitar, I, it's fantastic. The production of it is a, it's a really good album. And it still yeah. sounds fresh, a bit like Aerosmith. I'm a big Aerosmith fan as well, but Aerosmith Walk This Way, when you hear that, it still sounds really fresh. It feels like it's recorded yesterday. Yeah. And I played I play Keep the Faith this afternoon, and it still sounds really, really fresh. And yeah. you know, production is incredible on it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, another thing, too, that's so great about this, uh, this album, too, is I think it was John's entryway uh, talking about socially conscious albums as he likes to say you know this this album is very truly socially conscious as compared to the, the four previous albums the you know the previous albums were more about sex and rock and roll and you know stuff like that you know what all the other 80s hair 80s hair bands were doing at the time um but you know we'll back up a little bit and we'll we'll talk about how this album kind of came about you know obviously by 19, February 1990, Bon Jovi was fried from touring from the New Jersey tour and the previous tours before that. You know, you and I both know John went to do Blaze of Glory. Richie went to do Stranger in This Town, which were both solo projects. And, you know, people didn't know the future of Bon Jovi. You know, not even the band did. And uh, finally, you know, John thought, you know, he wanted to continue with the band. He fired Doc McGee, who was the band's, you know, manager from the 80s. And, uh, I think what was it, Aerosmith's therapist or something? Someone yeah, connected sorry. to Aerosmith. What was it? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Aerosmith's. Aer their their counselor there. Counselor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. God knows Stephen Tyler and Joe Perry need one. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so you know they sat in a room and, and thank God, you know they hashed out 
problems. You know, there was a lot of false claims too. You know, people talking behind people's back. You know, a bunch of kid stuff. But uh, so thankfully we did. You know, and I think this is the perfect album cover too. You know, everyone just kind of putting their hand in and saying, you know, keep the faith. You know, or you know, we're in this together. You know, I believe in you if you believe in me, kind of thing. You know, and I, you know, like John said, you know, this is my band and. You know, I want you guys along for the ride, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, everyone had faith in John. And, you know, John kind of became CEO of his band, you know? He's a small boat. Um, but anyway, um, the album was produced by Bob Rock. Uh, and I think it was recorded in Vancouver, wasn't it? I think they went back to Vancouver. Yeah, they went to Little Mountain Studios in Vancouver. That's right. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah, it was in Vancouver. And they did. Guy, they did want to use Bruce Fairbairn, but he was producing Aerosmith and got behind on that. So, oh really? Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, he, he was working on Get a Grip, and that that overran. Um, uh, that so makes sense. They went to Bob Rock. Uh, well, I think they spent six, seven months writing this album, then recording it. And I think some songs were finalized in L.A. Uh, I think like the deeper songs, like Fear and Woman and Love. Um. What else, you know, before we start talking about the tracks, what else I really loved about this era was this gem right here, An Evening with Bon Jovi. Yeah. Man, this is such a, you know, this is like an MTV promotional thing. Still got the VHS. Uh, I think I've got rid of the VHS. What's that? You still got the VHS. Yeah, That's I got a... the VHS. What do you, you don't <laughs> have it? Uh, no, I copied mine. Oh, yeah. I, see. I copied mine to a digital file, but um, I don't think I've still got a it might be in a loft. Yeah, I've had this since I was a kid, like 10 years old, and I'm 28 now, so it, it still plays, it still plays, oh. as far as I know. Yeah, thankfully for YouTube, you know, you can watch everything on YouTube these days, and so I try not to play them unless, you know, I want to. But um, it's a great show. You know, I love their cover with a little help from my friends, uh, and their ver the, uh Gotta get out of this place. That's another good cover. And I love their version of Bad Medicine on this one, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great show. Yeah. Um, so the tour, you know, this is actually a very sh much shorter tour than what they were accustomed to, you know, with Slippery in New Jersey. Uh, it only ran from February 93 to June of the same year, 1993. They only did three legs, around 170 shows. Uh, they toured North America, Europe, and Asia. And then they, I don't know if you can remember this. I think it started out as Keep the Faith Tour, and then it turned yeah. into I'll Sleep When I'm Dead Tour. Yeah. And then lost more. Right? Got it. Yeah. They, got, they did 81 shows as the Keep the Faith Tour. Okay. And then in June, it turned into the Sleep When I'm Dead Tour, and that carried on until December. So. Okay. That's right. Okay. Uh, and then. Five times. Was, so. You know, I was, I was six yeah, I was six months old when this album came oh. out. And so, you know, I would really wish I could experience this tour because it just looks so cool. The stage set up, the way the band sounded and all that. But, you know, John has said in a lot of interviews past uh, 1993 that they were kind of worried, you know, the album was successful, but they were worried about where they're headed as far as being a live band because they weren't selling out stadiums anymore. I think and, it was... I think the album was probably more popular in Europe than it was in the States. So. Yeah, here in the States, 90s Bon Jovi wasn't as big 
for some reason until 2000. Then they just got, I don't know why. It just, here, here in England, America's it, weird. We're all, <laughs> we're all about the hits for some reason. Here in England, uh, it was a huge success there. They pulled six singles off it. So. Yeah. Um, and all across Europe, we had MTV Europe playing all the time, and they played Bon Jovi every hour. It was, it was a great time to be a fan. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start digging into the album. Let's go track by track. So the first one is, I believe, which was actually the fifth single released uh, on September 25th, 1993. It was written just by John. Uh, what I really like about this song is the intro. You know, the, the distorted noise. And, uh, you know, you kind of hear... One other thing before we get into this song, another thing I like about this album too is how it's kind of distorted here and there, and you hear like a lot of commentary in the beginning of songs like "I Believe" and "Fear." Yeah. You know, I, I like that. Uh, but anyway, so back to "I Believe." I'm getting sidetracked here. Um, I think Richie on his guitar and John's vocals really shine on this album. Um, you know, it's, it's a great. great. I think I think it's a perfect opener. For this album too not only just for the album but also live have you ever seen this as a opener live on any yeah. tour yeah yeah it's amazing you know especially like when that guitar starts hitting you know i remember the first i went i went three nights to wembley arena they, yeah. they played friday to sunday i went every night and okay. uh, in may 93 and it was uh it was incredible and I sat in a different place. So opening night, I was down the front. They took all the seats out down the front. So it was a proper mosh pit down the front. Oh, my gosh. That, that's quite common in, the, in, in this country. And um, when, when they played the opening line and the, the lights were going, the sound was incredible. Everyone was just waiting for that. All I know is what I've been sold to. You read my life like a fortune told, yeah. And there were girls rolling over me in flannel shirts and Dr. Martin boots, like just roll, rolling across me. Like it was amazing. The oh, energy. Man. You watch some of those '93 shows on on YouTube, and the energy is amazing. So. Yeah, what, as you said too, it's amazing because they, uh, you know, they kind of did some pits at some a lot of, a lot of the shows. You know, just general admission pits. Yeah. So you know that you don't get that nowadays. Um, no. But, uh, you know, this whole, I, to me, and you can tell me what you think, to me, this song is all about society telling us what to do, but you're not going to do with society. It's kind of like a defiance against society. You're not, not doing what is expected of you or, you told, you know, like the line, you know, they feed us lines, but I won't act. You know, I think that's what this whole, yeah, you know uh, that. Yeah. I, I think it's about leading and believing in yourself, you know? Totally, totally, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I get from it as well. So, yeah. Just, can you remember the first time you heard it? When I bought the album, see, I became a fan when I was eight, and uh, with Crush, and I loved Crush so much that my dad would buy me one album a month. So when I was eight, in June two thousand, I had all the albums by Christmas time. I don't think I got Keep the Faith until October, and. Uh, Believe it or not, as an eight-year-old kid, you're looking more for the fun songs. So I hate to admit, but I think I skipped, I believe. But as I got older, you know, as a teenager, you know, I really dug it. But, uh, yeah. I remember the first time I heard it, and I was thinking, oh, this isn't 
how could they top Lay Your Hands on Me, which was which was the perfect opener for me. So that and that and Let It Rock were, were great openers. Yeah. And I was like, you know, playing it in the car and I I bought it on the day it came out. It came out on November the second over here. And um I played it in the car and I was like, What is, what is this? What is this? I just couldn't get my head around it straight away. So but I absolutely love the track now. I've been playing it all day, so Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's so great live, like we were talking about as it being an opener. It's just you know, I don't know. It's it's one of their my favorite openers live, and yeah, it's a shame because I don't think John has done it since 2011. Last yeah. time I saw it, I've got a. They played on the Lost Highway tour. They played they played it as an encore in in London in 2008. Yeah, I think I saw it on the. That's the last time I saw it too. Was either the Lost Highway tour or even Circle? Yeah. I might have seen it on the Circle tour. I can't remember. But uh, the music video. I think they could have added a little more to the music video. I think it was kind of cool, but it lacked something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe it's actually perfect. Maybe I'm just overanalyzing it. But it kind of resembles it's got like the lens on it. It's got like a fisheye lens on it. That's quite nice, though. Yeah, I like it. You know, it kind of took away from what they were doing in the '80s, which kind of gave them a fresh look. Uh, it reminds me of the Hey God in These Days combined videos from These Days album. It, I don't know. That's the way I look at it. I couldn't believe it was a single, to be honest. Yeah, I'm surprised it was a single, to be honest. They, was... just, they just kept pulling songs off, and I was like, wow, what are they going to do? What are they going to yeah. do next? Well, I, I think John was so, I think, you know, because this album wasn't as big as Slippery New Jersey. I think John was, kept trying to push it so it would sell. And it's also the record company, too, who makes those decisions, too. They're like, hey, we're putting this out. And, you know, they go by, you know, the success of the album. And I don't know. But um, what's your favorite lyric from this album or song? Do you have a favorite lyric? Yeah, what, from my belief? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, uh, the opening. All I know is what I've been sold. Okay. My... And I, like, I like the screams at the end as well, especially live. Oh, yeah, that's great, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, my favorite line would be the bridge. You know, don't look up to your movie screens, your record stores, or your magazines. Close your eyes and you will see that you are all that you cannot be. You know, I love that. I love that line. You know, when I was in high school, that lyric actually kind of gave me motivation to believe in myself and, and stuff like that. So uh, let's right. go to the next track. Uh, which is obviously the name of the album as well, Keep the Faith. Oh. Uh, it was the first single released on October 13th of 92, before the album came out, written by John Ritchie and Desmond Child. Um, one thing I really love about this album is it live. You know, the, the, the studio version's good, but it's, it's 10 times better live, you know, especially... The, the way that they jam at the end. Uh, and uh, I, I love when T right at the end, you know, when T goes pounding the drums and Richie's, you know, right at it's, the end there. It's, it's really good. Boom, 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 boom. Now, you know? the band's, now the band's got bigger with like Phil X and, and Everett and stuff. But I just, I think it works really, really well as well now. So. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. In the last couple of years, I just think they, they've expanded on Keep the Faith, so. Oh yeah, and it's, Phil X really adds a uh, a special touch to it too. If you've seen Phil play, it, it's it's amazing. Um, I I do like it when they slow it down in the middle. Um, 
and play a little bit of Symphony for the Devil. So. Oh yeah, yeah, they're back in the. The, the, the first time I heard it, I was working in the Princes, and Radio One had the exclusive. They had the worldwide airing of it, and I was I was working at a Princes. There was lots of machines and stuff around me, and and they they said, oh, it's coming up, it's coming up. They kept saying, oh, yeah, new Bon Jovi song, worldwide exclusive, coming up, coming up. And when it started up, all the machines around me started up as well. So I could I couldn't really hear it properly, but I could just hear this kind of tribal kind of rhythm going. And I was like, what is this? Like, it didn't sound like anything I'd ever heard before. And I, was, I couldn't wait to hear it properly. So, and it wasn't out for another couple of weeks. So. But uh, yeah, I just heard little echoes and this, this kind of tribal thing going all the way through it. So, and yeah, it was amazing. I think the first time I heard it properly was with the video and the year it did a, a that's, the, that's the first time I saw this, I heard this song too, was I, my dad got me the cross. This is before I even had the Keep the Faith album. My dad got me the Crossroads VHS, the video, music videos. And uh, I remember seeing the video and, it, you know, it kind of like, you know, the beginning of the music video kind of like shows one scene here, then it pulls out then it shows another scene, pulls yeah. out, you know, similar to, I believe, but toned down a little bit. Um, Beautifully short video as well. Yeah, I think it was filmed mostly in New York City and you know, half of it was black and some of it was black and white, some of it was in color. And I, I loved how they, they they showed the whole, and I think, you know, as this being the first single, obviously the music video was coming out first before the, the album, you know, it showed what the band is now. You know, you didn't see the big hair, long hair. You know, you saw Bon, this is Bon Jovi in the 90s. You know, when they're all walking down the street and stuff. Um, but another thing that really highlights this song for me is John playing mar the maracas on this. Oh, I love it live when he chucks them in the air. Like... Oh yeah, and then he <laughs> catches them and he just throws them down the down the yeah. stairs or behind the stage. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, it, one of the thing too about this song, studio versus live, is on the album. You know, it starts out with like a guitar playing, you know, da. And a little bit of keys, but live it starts out the dun 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 dun, dun, dun you know, on the bass. Yeah, it's so nice. I always, I always kind of wondered why they on the Keep the Faith tour didn't they do it with guitar first? No, I didn't um, do it. With Alex started it on bass. Okay, yeah, I, I always wondered why he, he flicked a plectrum at me and I called it. So did you really? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's and then cool. and then John told him to get back because he was he was edging forward. And John told him to get back into into the into the wings a little bit because he he was edging forwards a bit. So ah, quite interesting to watch from that. There, I was right down the front. So yeah, you're making me jealous. That's that's so cool, man. <laughs> so, um, but the, the the whole meaning of this song is you know to you know having faith and having faith to pull you through and you know like you know you're gonna live through the rain. You gotta keep the faith. You know so you know it's, it's, it's more relevant now than ever. It's, it's optimistic and you know sidetrack too you know, i don't want to talk about politics here but um it's no secret that i'm you know i'm very supportive of joe biden here who's our president-elect right now and yeah. uh the other day i was running and uh it, it, the whole point of the story is how music stands the test of time you know this song's 20 years old and i was listening to keep the faith and one of the things that joe biden has been saying the last two weeks was all about um you know keep the faith we're gonna get through this blah 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 and when i was listening to the song during my workout i was like oh my gosh you know like this song has a whole new meaning for me now 
you know, because now when I listen to Keep the Faith, I think of Joe Biden and, you know, being a strong leader and pulling us through. Yeah, so, I saw I saw he tweeted that. I was like, that's amazing. So it just made me want to hear the song again. So. Yeah, you know, so, it, so the, you know, the whole point of the story is that these songs truly stand the test of time. Um, so what are, before we get into lyrics, have you, you, you've obviously heard it, the 2009 Happy Days version with the Washington DC choir? Yeah, I was gonna John. talk about, I was gonna talk about the Jesus Jones remix. Oh, I, okay, I've heard that one too. Not too crazy about that one. Because uh, rumor were, when, before the album came out, Kerrang! magazine was saying Jesus Jones is gonna do the remixes on it, so. And they yeah. recorded it in a tiny back bedroom, they did, did the remix. In a tiny back bedroom in you know a little flat in london and they couldn't believe they were working on it and you know this huge album was like you know millions of pounds being spent on it and they were like in a tiny little little bed sit like remixing this title track but it never made it to the album so. and it leaked a few years ago so oh, i got i got a I copy heard, i haven't I've heard got, it in a long time yeah but uh so that's the that's the version i was i was thinking of so I'm, yeah i'm still on the box as well so well, John, we did it uh, with the Washington DC Choir in 09. Do you remember that? It was yeah, way before the circle yeah. was released. I'd totally forgotten. I've got it, but I've totally forgotten about it. Yeah, I don't listen to it very often too, but I, I dig it. Uh, yeah, that was good. Anyway, so what are your favorite lyrics to the song? Do you have a favorite lyric? Uh, you know you're going to live through the rain. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, mine is I'm walking down the footsteps of society's lies. I don't like what I see no more. Sometimes I wish that I was blind. I wait, I wait forever to stand out in the rain so no one sees me cry and try to wash away the pain, yeah, which is another bridge lyric. Fantastic uh, in the video as well. Yeah. So that let's go. Video. Brilliant. So let's go to the next track, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, which uh, is the fourth single. It was released in July 31st, I believe, in 1993. It was written by John Ritchie and uh, Desmond Child. What I really like about this song is um the intro with tico you know with that yeah. you know the drums i i think it's just so cool i love it live yeah I love, I love the guitar on it live i'm gonna i'm gonna learn guitar soon on that guitar that i won yeah and then um yeah i want to uh, i want to learn that riff yeah it's, it's a cool riff um yeah. You know, you know what I like about this song too. Live is that they've incorporated. You know, they haven't done it in the last few uh, years, but how they've incorporated songs into this one. You know, like uh, Lost Highway Tour, they did uh, Mercy or Start Me Up. In Australia, uh, they did um, some ACDC tracks when Phil was there, didn't they? Oh, they did. Yeah, they did. Uh, I'm sure it was during Sleep, but yeah. What tour? I'm sure they did. Um, Surely did Back in Black or uh, Highway to Hell. So, which tour was that? The 2013. Oh, uh, I because remember in Australia they did. You shook me all night long. All night long, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I might be yeah. thinking of that. Yeah, okay. that was a really good moment. They yeah. sing covers. I like. I quite like the covers. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're you know, briefly, it's amazing how a band can take anybody else's song, and, and maybe just because we're diehard fans, but it's amazing how John can touch any other song by someone else and make it 10 times better. He's yeah. done it with so many covers. Yeah. But um, 
anyway, we seem to have dropped the covers the last the last couple of years. So sadly, um, yeah. anyway, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead is like the true rock and roll anthem. You know, like just be a rock and roll star, or not even just a rock and roll. You know, just you know, in yours nice point of view, just loving rock and roll and going to shows and just having fun. You know, and just sleeping your debt. You know, I felt like I knew the song the first time they played it. Yeah, it's just everybody was singing it back the first time I saw it. Just yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's one of those fun songs <laughs> I, that I look forward to. You know, I love when John plays. Uh, his orange, I don't know what kind of guitar it is, but he plays an orange guitar in yeah. the, uh, the song. It's that point in the evening, isn't it? Whereas like the audience could be sagging a little bit off for an hour and a half, but it's not, you know, that totally picks everybody up. So yeah, I was it, gonna say that it deserves to be in the set. I, you know, some people say, oh, they need to retire it, but I think it absolutely needs to be in the no, set. No, I, I hate for them to retire. And you know what, you know, like you said, it's great to be in the middle of a set list, but it's also a great opener. Do you remember uh, Montreal 2018 when it was the last night of the tour of uh, that leg, at least? Yeah. And uh, John did, uh, they did I'll Sleep When I'm Dead as an opener. And John was like in the back of the crowd. He walked up to the stage. They also played it when the, the plane nearly crashed in, in Canada. Yeah. When the wheel came down on the on the plane in Canada, and they skidded along the the, uh, the tarmac, and um, I, they opened a li little bit late in the evening with, with "Sleep When I'm Dead." So, yeah, it was pretty huh. cool. Uh, and the music video is really fun too because uh, it's kind. Of, I think it always resembles uh, "In and Out of Love," which is from the Seven Eight Hundred album. Yeah. The music video. Don't you think those two songs kind yeah. of? Yeah, like videos kind of go hand in hand, which is good. And I like the Beatles stuff about it as well. It feels a bit yeah. like a, it feels a bit like yeah. feels a bit like help, like the Beatles film. I think, I think that was deliberate, wasn't it? So yeah, you know, but, I, I think it really it really showcases what you know the bond within the band. You know, like all the being together and experiencing the rock and roll life together. And the one part I really like about the video too is Richie with all the girls. You know, you see all these girls lined up outside of his dressing room. And throughout the video, you know, you see him pulling one girl in or two girls in, <laughs> like your mother, you know. All, all the stuff at the all the stuff at the grave with Jim Morrison as well. That was really cool. So that was cool too. Or, or the yeah. fake uh Jovi all that stuff. So Yeah, the Madonna. Yeah, I, got, I, don't know, I don't know in the States, but at the time I was going to the gym and that was just on all the time. You you'd see that twice an hour, so Yeah. Just, it got played so much because of the tour as well. So they went out, but they did this huge tour. They built two nights in Milton Keynes with Billy Idol and um, uh, Little Angels, I think it was. So, and um, yeah, and they, they went all across Europe with that tour all summer. It was oh fantastic. My gosh. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen Billy Idol open up for them. Yeah, I love Billy. I think he's so cool. So it's yeah. kind of cool to see him open up for Bon Jovi. Yeah, he was doing his like uh, cyberpunk album, I think it was. Ah, do you have a favorite lyric from this song? Uh, spend a lot of time in bed, but I don't like to sleep. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. Uh, mine is so you're looking for some action. I got everything you need. Keep your motor running, honey. I was built for speed. I love that. that that's that's got to be Desmond Child. Uh, I think it's more wrenchy. You reckon? <laughs> I, I think Richie wrote the majority of this. And I I do, I, 
I think somewhere in an interview back in 93, 94, he said that he kind of came to John with how sleep when I'm dead. And if you, if you look, if you read the lyrics and listen to them, you know, like the lyrics that we just fed to each other, that's pure Richie. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, next single is uh, our next song is in these arms, which was the third single, which was released on May 9th, 1993. Uh, this is my second favorite song on the album. It was written by Rich John Ritchie and, which you never saw this before, David Bryan. David yeah. Bryan also co-wrote on this song. And, uh, you know, this is something we can talk about in another discussion, but I really wish David had more spotlight to write songs because I think his writing on this was so good. Um, An amazing and, song. And I'm sure you've heard You've heard of David's version on his solo album, Lunar Eclipse. Yeah, yeah. very good. I, I love the band's version, but I love David's version so much more, especially when he does it live. I don't know, it's, David just has that special touch uh, to the song. They used to they used to let him sing a couple of verses, didn't they? Yeah, and then you know there, there's been they haven't done times, it. Yeah, there's been times too where John would let David sing the whole song, which is great. And I've seen him I've seen him do it live. It's great. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't gone back to that because the bits, I mean, you know, I love Phil, I love Richie, but it'd be nice if they, I, I used to really like that bit where Richie played these days. Oh, or, yeah. Or I'd be there for you. It'd be quite nice if they let Dave sing in these arms. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I, and I hope we see that in the future, you know, we get more tours. I like to see David sing one full song. You know, it gives John a break and, you know, fans love it, especially the diehards. You know, and, but, Speaking of it live, you know, just the band version, you know, with John singing too, is <clears throat> you don't have many ballads where you're jumping up and down, staying along. And this is one of those ballads that you do. You know, it's one of those, it, it pumps you up and you're, you know, jumping up and down, singing the song. It's, it's energetic live. Yeah. yeah. I love it. You know, it, it's a very great song to see live. Um, so they released it here just in, in time with the European tour for the Keep the Faith leg of the tour. Oh, really? Okay. It was a massive, massive song here. Uh, it was a lot bigger here than Better Roses was. So, well, I think in, in the states, Better Roses was probably bigger than in these arms. So, yeah, because Better Roses, which we'll get to, is a second single. Um, I also love the the music video, and it, it was filmed. I forget which show shows it was filmed at, but it was like one of those live music videos, and uh, I just love how it really showcased the band live on yeah. the Keep Your Faith tour. And I, I love it. I think they they kind of used it. I think that was deliberate to kind of say, look, we're in Europe playing all these shows. Yeah. This, this, is how, this is how good we look. <laughs> yeah. Right, Kerrang magazine. I got a quote from Kerrang in 1993. They said, Bon Jovi in 1993 will blow you away. So. Yeah. You have I a favorite was, lyric from the song? Uh, you want commitment, take a look into these eyes. I love that lyric too. Mine is, these were our words, our words were our songs, our songs are our prayers, and these prayers keep me strong. You know, to, to me, I think about my relationship as a fan to the band, you know, because it, it, it's true, you know, like his words are our songs, and both songs are our prayers, and they keep us strong. You know, so I always think of that lyric as a band-to-fan relationship type lyric, in, in my opinion. 
That's really nice. I've never actually thought of it that way, but I like it. I would see where you're coming from. So. Yeah. You know, I know John probably wasn't writing it like that, but that's just how I interpret it, you know? Like an early version of the next hundred years. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so moving on, uh, let's do Better Roses, which was the second single released on January 26, 1993. Uh, it was written just by John. And I think he, didn't he write this during a motorcycle he was like riding a bike because yeah. he wrote this in dry county within the same week and i think they were like just riding across america in 91 and he was in a hotel and i think he was away from dorothea i think some of it also got you know i remember him saying this somewhere he also wrote some of it on the new jersey tour and uh whether it was the new jersey tour in 91 i don't remember but they had a they put a piano in his room as he requested and he wrote better he finished better roses he was watching a wedding wasn't he he was watching the yeah. wedding time. yeah yeah and they yeah. asked the guys to bring the piano into his room and he wrote this song so just yeah and uh brilliant lyrics oh it, it, it's just an amazing song and it really showcases john's vocals too i i think you know i really that chorus you know when he's screaming you know on a bed of nails and it's yeah. just, you know, the band and John's vocals has come together so amazing. Uh, What's your favorite line? Uh, let's see here. Well, I'm so far away. Each step that I take is on my way home. A king's ransom and dimes. I'd give each night, give each night just to see through this payphone. What's yours? Uh, to the bird on the wire flies me back to you. I love that one too. You know, that, that's what this whole song is about. In a way, it's kind of like "Wanted Dead or Alive," but in the more ballad "I'd Miss You" version. Yeah, it's a it's it, it's a grown up wanted, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I I think it's you know all about being on the road, being away from your family, and just looking forward to getting back home. And uh, you know, and I think the video really showcases that too. Like you know, like saying how this is kind of like a ballad. I miss you version of I want, uh, wanted it alive. You know, the music video really encompasses how exhausting, you know, it gives you like an exhaustive, I'm tired look. And it, it shows you know, him leaving the house, doesn't it, with a suitcase and yeah, probably exactly. the person saying like, oh, we don't want to go and do 200 shows this year and yeah. stuff like that. So, you know, I always say this, but I think, uh, you know, music videos really kind of give songs special touch sometimes and this is one of those perfect examples i think the the music video really gives a touch to the song there were you two know? versions of the video I've, yeah there was an early version and john's in the desert in some kind of space suit like a silver suit or white suit and then there's and then there's another one where you don't see those shots in the desert oh i know what you're, i i saw i have seen that in years i know what you're talking about though showed, yeah the first week it came out mtv showed a version of john in the desert and then all the and then after a week that had gone and it was a different edit of the of the song so i'm oh, not sure they're both on the video on the on yeah i forgot all about that actually i haven't seen that in years but i i know what you're talking about yeah i was trying to find those so. i also correct me if i'm wrong here but when you watch the music video do you ever I, I think the the last chorus, the last minute of the song, don't you think that there's some kind of audio enhancement 
I feel like yeah. the song yeah. is louder and more enhanced. It kind of goes into like a hybrid studio live version, doesn't it? So, yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah, and it has the fireworks. Um, so Again. I, I always thought that. Maybe I'm just crazy, but I always thought there was like an audio enhancement with it. You know? No, I think you're right. Also, also that the Better Roses video was probably meant to sell the tour in the States as well. Yeah, but I mean, it was the second single. These arms, you know, the second single, they were hitting arenas around that time. Yeah. I think the tour started about February, March time. So, um, yeah, February it started, yeah, because, yeah. Cause, yeah. That was a big hit, and I, I just think that was another thing they did just to say, hey, look how good we are live, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a great song, and you know, come and see us live. So I, I think those two videos together, they they feel like they're part of a set of you know showcasing the band live. Yeah, and one last thing about the you know before we move on to the next track is Richie in the music video how they flew him all you know I forget the name of the mountain that they were on, but they had him you know in like negative weather and stuff, and he's you know oh, yeah. trying to play and you know that's you know. They, it was way hard behind the scenes of, of this. Uh, the videos. VHS. Um, the next track, uh, If I Was Your Mother, uh, which was written by John and Richie. And I was listening to, I was actually listening to this to my workout earlier. And this is one of those songs that isn't your typical Bon Jovi song. No. You know, it, it, it's more heavier. See, my stance on it is it, it's heavier in the beginning, but as it, as you get into the track, especially in the last minute and a half, it kind of takes you to an 80s Bon Jovi sound, you know, as far as a powerful chorus goes. Yeah. You know, but then I, the verses kind of take you to a weird, dark, I mean, I'm not saying the song is bad. It's, it's, it's a good song. It's just it's not a typical Bon Jovi song looking back in their, in their 35 years of music, you know? It slightly jarred with me the first time I heard it, and it still does a little bit. It, it feels slightly out of place on the album. I know, but that's just my personal opinion, so. Like some, I know some people are slating me for that, but it, it feels slightly out of place on the album. I, I, I always thought the same thing, you know? And I'm surprised it wasn't an outtake. Yeah, I, yeah. I was one of the, Miss Fourth of July would have been better on the album for me. Yeah. Or I always thought Radio Saved My Life or Starting All Over Again should have been on this album. Yeah, yeah. I, but um, I, do like line, I, I do like the line, don't get deeper than a mother and child. So, um, yeah. That was, and, that was my head when my daughter was born. So. Yeah, and this whole meaning, you know, and John said it in, in, in this VHS, um, the song was all about being a stalker pretty much because there's no closer relationship than a mother and a daughter or a mother yeah. and a son. But in this case, mother to daughter. And you can't get as close to somebody if you're their mother. You know, if you're their mother, you're the closest. And so like, you know, kiss you sweet goodnight. You know, it's a, it's a creepier, stalkerish song in a way, you know? I like it, but I don't love it. Yeah. Um, out of ten, what's that? Out, out of ten, how many would you give it? No, oh, I don't usually do that out of ten, but I'd probably give it a six, five or six. Well, six I mean, it's, as well. it's not one of my go-to's, but I don't mind it. It's just it's. I, I would have moved. There. It's I would have moved further down the album as well. 
What's that? I would have moved it further down the album. Yeah. Because the, the first side of the album is fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's weird because, you know, in track five, you have Better of Roses, and, you know, it, it calms down at the end of Better of Roses, and you, you just have kind of like John lay you down on the Better of Roses singing. And then all of a sudden you hear, you know, it's like, wakes you up. Yeah. But uh, let's go to the next track, yeah. uh, uh, Dry County, which was oh. actually the final single released on May 1st, 1994. I couldn't believe only released as a single because they wanted fans to or the media to see that they were still here but they were releasing the greatest hits you know in a few months and it was more of a record company decision but i'm glad they did it uh it was written by john and uh i think the whole song is about it's kind of hard to interpret but in my way i think it's all but you know and the music video really encompasses it too being in the desert and the song's all about having nothing left. It's a heavily conscious song and you don't see a bright future. You, you think everything is gone and life is hopeless. It's kind of a pessimistic song in a way. Yeah. It's brilliant though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's truly a diehard fan favorite. Um, they, they played it at Wembley 95 and it was uh, an amazing, but I, I was going through my live versions today as well, and I think it's the one he introduces. If you let me take me on the back of my bike, he says that just before he talks about the road trip, and then he says, "If you want to yep. come on the my bike," and well, I think that's Wembley, Wembley live track, and it, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. So yeah, well, this song was written when he was uh, with his friends on a motorcycle trip across America, and they were in the desert somewhere, and he had written this which is kind of amazing. And, you know, this is obviously the longest song in the band's history. It's a nine minute song. And, you know, I love the rise and the climb. You know, it's like a roller coaster throughout the song, you know, like, you know, it, it picks up and then it goes back down, picks up, you know, then, you know, Rich, this is a song that really shows Richie's talent as a guitar player too. He was all over. Incredible guitar on that side. Oh, I know. So when they just, when they did the press conference for the album in October, they only they only played the press two songs. They played Keep the Faith and Dry County. None oh, really? of the other all the other songs were still being mixed. So. And they're they're the two they're the two songs that the band thought were the strongest on the album at the time. So Jeez. I didn't know that. It's interesting. Um, what's your favorite lyric? The opening line, across the border they turn water into wine. Yeah, I like that one too. My favorite is I curse the sky to open. I beg the clouds for the rain. I prayed all night for water to for the for water. I'm I'm screwing up the lyric here. I curse the sky to open. I beg the clouds for the rain. I prayed all night for water for this burning in my veins. I think I got that right. Hey, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. There you get the gist. An epic song. Yeah, when was the last time play it? What's that? When's the last time you saw them play it? I've seen them play this one a lot, actually. And you, you hear a lot of fans saying, I've never seen that live, which, give or take, it is kind of hard not to, or it is hard to see it live. Um, but the last time I saw it was Allentown, 2018. The only time that they did the song in This House Is Not For Sale tour. And it's funny because we were 
I if I get to the place, the venue early, I always like to just sit there outside the doors and listen to sound check. And uh, I remember we were sitting there, and, I, and I, you could just hear David playing. And all of a sudden, you, you hear the da 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 da, you know. And I was like, "That's Dry County." And I had some of my Bon Jovi friends with me, and uh, they're like, "That's not Dry County." I'm like, "Yeah, it is." Listen, and the keyboards. And I think David was like on the wrong key at the time, but then he started playing it. And then all of a sudden you hear John singing across the border, you know, then you hear him start to sing it. And then all of a sudden you hear the band doing the jams. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're doing Dry County. They haven't been on this tour yet. And we were like a year and a half in the tour. And they played it just because it was the anniversary of Dry County. Oh, wow. And so they played on uh, an Allentown in 2018. It was just, amazing and uh, phil you know like i said this song really sh showcases richie's talent but phil does an amazing job at it too yeah I'll... when was that time you saw it live might have been the o2 I, I went to a couple of shows at the o i went to the first and last show at the o2 um pretty sure it was one of those the o2 is about 40 minutes in the car from me so from here so uh... <laughs> It was oh, a lucky you. I'd love to. I'd love to see them at the O2. Yeah. I, I wish I could have gone to more shows, but my daughter was 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 only born that year, so. Yeah. Hey, priorities first, right? Yeah. I managed uh, to get two gigs in, so. Yeah. What Move, we have 15 minutes here, so let's uh, hit to the next track, uh, "Woman in Love," uh, which in is written by John. This was like one of the songs that you're thankful that John released that you wouldn't expect him to release. Uh, it's one of the more fun songs. Uh, I love the groove and the beat to it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more of a sexual. I interpret it as more of a sexual song. Yeah. Anything, you know? I saw a uh, hundred girls sing this song on MTV. Oh, I love that. <laughs> my, my favorite lyric is, if lust is just a dirty dog, I've been scratching with the fleas. I've been barking up your neighbor's or waking up your neighbors, barking up your tree. That and sounds I, like a Christmas line. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a great song. And I wish, you know, they never did it live, and I wish they would have, because it's such... I never did it live. Nope, never. And I, I think it would have been, you know, at least during the Keep the Faith tour, I think it would have been a really cool uh, song to play. It's a bit like 99 in the Shade. That hardly ever got played. You know, you know, you're. I never thought of it like that. It, it does sound a little bit. It sounds a little heavier than 99 in the shade, but yeah. it kind of fits in the same category. Yeah, sound. it's weird how that. When I first heard the album, my first playback in October '92, I, I thought that would be one of the singles. Yeah. I was like, oh, this this is a big one. This this will be played on the radio all the time. And it just got yeah. ignored. It got yeah. ignored. Everybody I don't think. I don't think it would have been successful if it was. I mean. I, even in the diehard fan base, it's not that popular. No. Right. Uh, but the, we'll go to the next one, which is probably my third the, favorite. Uh, a year after it came out, John said it sucked. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen him <laughs> say that many times. Yeah. Especially with the next one, Fear. John uh, yeah. never liked that one either. I and loved... I thought Fear was great. I used yeah. to drop my girlfriend off at her house, and then I'd go... I'd, I'd just have the cassette in the car and I'd just put it on and go driving around on my own. So just, just playing it really, really loud. I loved yeah. it. Running uh, through the city makes you feel like you're a partner in crime. Yeah. Uh, so fear. 
Uh, it was written by John. And like I said earlier, with like, I believe, you know, I love how it's, you, you hear the police in the background and you hear uh, voices, like commentary. And uh, this song is definitely a social, you know, for a long time when I was a kid, I was trying to think, what is this song? What is the song about? But I think it's all about, it's a socially conscious uh, song, you know, kind of like, I believe in a way of not being told how to act and, you know, society telling you you have to do this, you have to do that, or you're going to get punished. And so you don't want to live your life in fear. You know, if that makes sense. That's how I, I, I interpret yeah, it. Yeah, me too. It's about holding back. You know, don't, don't let stuff hold you back. So don't let fear hold you back. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the one line, you know, fear of the brass ring. For the longest time, I thought he meant fear of getting married. And that's where I think I was kind of getting confused on what this song was about. Because I thought, how's he, you know, fear of society, but then fear of marriage. Then, you know, now I know it's not about fear of being married. But you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he means by brass ring in the song. No, me neither. Yeah. But. So, um, you ever played live? Never played live. I think no. it would have been great. You know, I, what I really love about this song is the climax between the verse and the choruses, you know, like uh, in the first, after the first verse, you know, I watched my father live a lie here. I'd rather die than fade away. I read the rules. Yeah, I know them. Still, you ain't going to make me live in the game of fear. You know, I love, I, you know, just the way the climax is, you know, like it's a very heavy vocal, background vocal song, you know, climax into the chorus. Great tracks. Uh, wasn't the B-side as well. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, and then one other thing that really shines with John on this song is the end when he's screaming. He's he's literally screaming fear, and yeah. just the, he's holding that note. And then and then the song ends, and you just hear the echo, fear, fear. You know, amazing production on it. I love it. What's your favorite lyric on this track? Uh, oh, the one I read out. Right, yeah, running with the rats in the city makes you feel like you're a partner in crime. I love that one too. Mine is uh, take my hand. I know we'll make it. I'll let nothing slow us down. It's kind of like living on a prayer in a way. Yeah, it's got yeah, a take nice. Take my hand. We'll make it. I swear. Yeah, it's a bit like when they feature a you know teardrops of the sea in a song and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next track. This is my favorite track on the album. One of my favorite Bon Jovi ballads, which is uh, I Want You, but and it was written by John. And I always thought this was an amazing ballad and it's very underrated, even in the diehard fan base. You know, and, and surprisingly, you know, we're talking about all these songs that were never played live. I'm surprised this never got played live. It did twice. Did keep, it? The Faith, keep the Faith tour, I think it was in Australia. A fan had asked John to play it and uh, John did it acoustic. He did the first verse and chorus acoustic. And then fast forward to 2016 at a runaway trip, um, John did, it was by request. And I think John screwed it up because he didn't know it. Uh, but he did the first verse and chorus again, acoustic. And it's incredible. I love, I, I just love the song so much. A good song. I never wanted the stars, never shot for the moon. Good, That's my good. favorite lyric. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's not quite. It's not quite always, or oh, this ain't a love song. Yeah, it's, it, it's about it's about eight out of ten for me. So, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's I think it's like more of a breakup song, but it's more of a breakup. But I miss you, and you know, yeah. 
I, I know I need you type song. Good song. I'd like to have heard it live. Yeah, me too. Uh, next one. And this is one I think should have been released as a single. And I think, I think it would have been a great show opener. I think it would have been a great song live. Blame it on the love of rock and roll. This is, in my opinion, this is like the anthem for all the diehard fans. You know, being or just being a rock and roll music lover. You know, just this is truly a rock and roll song. This is another. You know, first listen to the album. I was like, "Well, they're gonna. That's gonna be a single for sure." So. Yeah, and I'm surprised that, you know, I don't, maybe because, you know, rock and roll bands were kind of fading out at the time. So I think if they were to release a song like this, I don't know if it'd be transpired well, you know? Yeah, I think the songs they pulled off were probably the right ones. Yeah. And, you know, I love how tight Tika, how tight and smooth Tika sounds on this song, too. Yeah, it's a good track. They dragged yeah. me to the picture they saw on, TV, on their TV. Oh, I love that one too. That's my favorite uh, line. My favorite is first time I heard the music, I thought it was my own. I could feel it in my heartbeat. I could feel it in my bones. When I listened to that lyric, you know, it's kind of like when back to in these arms about you know these were our words and blah blah blah. I I, I feel like it's more of a band to fan relationship type lyric, you know, because the first time I heard Bon Jovi's music, I was like, this is mine, you know, like you know, going to school and being known as the Bon Jovi fan or, you know, like knowing this band gets me, you know? And, you know, I could, first time I heard the music and I, I thought it was my own, I could feel it in my heartbeat, I could feel it in my bones, you know? It's like, am I making sense? You know, it's, oh, yeah, it's, like, totally. yeah. it, it, it's like a sense of entitlement, like this is mine, you know? Yeah, no, they should have done more of it live. Um, yeah. I, I wish they did. You know, I, I, I don't know why this is kind of a forgotten song in a way. You know, I think it would have been very well perceived. Because he's never yeah. done it when he's like solo, uh, you know, fan club trip. So, nope, no. Uh, so, the last track on the album is A Little Bit of Soul, which is written by John and Richie. And I always thought this is kind of, I think they were trying to end the, uh, here in the US, I know you have Save a Prayer over in the uh, UK there. But here in the US, a little bit of soul was the last track. And so I think they were kind of resemble what they did with New Jersey with ended with Love for Sale, which is kind of more of an acoustic studio, have fun type song. And I think they were trying to do that here with this album. And you know the whole meaning is you know just getting by with some soul and faith. Kind of like keep the faith, you know, just getting through and having faith and it'll pull you through. I felt like I knew this one because of an evening with. They played it at evening with, didn't they? They did that. I believe so. They did. Uh, yep, they did. I, I, I kind of felt like I knew it by the time I had the album. And yeah, uh, yeah I really like it. Great guitar. Um, favorite line: "The King's pissed in your pot of gold." Yeah. Uh, my favorite. Well, what my favorite? Uh, I think when you've lost when you're lost in the flood and you feel like you've been kicked through the mud, you know they still haven't found the drug to pick us up. Yeah, I think I got it. that right. Got it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I've never thought about it like you just said, that it feels like a sequel to Love for Sale. Yeah, it, I, I think they were just trying to find like a fun studio recording, you know, kind of like what they do with Love for Sale, you know? A little bit loose as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And you know, we'll talk before we wrap up here, we'll talk a little bit about Save a Prayer too, because that's in your I think that's a great song too. Yeah. It's like, we can get it here in the US. I thought you did. I thought everybody got that track until recently. No. No, um, here in the US we we got the standard twelve tracks. And even even here on the vinyls, the last one is the little bit of soul. And the thing that annoyed me on the special editions they did with the live tracks, they don't put Save a Prayer on it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've got that yeah, in my albums along with my original version, and I'm it always cut on my Save a Prayer. I, I expect it to be there every time I listen to the album. So. Yeah. You know, yeah. overall though, you know, it's a great album. I've you know, I love it. Um yeah. I love the excitement of the time it was released. I can remember everything about it. So, yeah, the secret gig. The um, I was lucky to go to the secret gig and lay your hands on me. John jumped in the crowd. Yeah, uh, you know, we have we have a couple minutes left. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about that secret gig real quick. You know, talk about it. Going off on it. So, yeah. So they um, so there's a program called on MTV called Headbangers Ball, and they. They said that they were they were doing these shows. They played a couple of gigs in uh, in the fast lane, Asbury Park. Um, they played these really small shows. They played about four in the states, and then they said they were going to do one in Europe, and it was in the UK. And there were rumours where it was going to be Ronnie Scott's uh, The Hundred Club. I spent a day in London knocking on the doors of all these places, asking them if Bon Jovi were going to play there. Everyone denied it. And then I woke up one day and. On the, on the day of the show, they put tickets on, on sale and announced it on the radio and in the Sun newspaper. And I remember running up, uh, what was it? my notes here, uh, running down Train Cross Road with 40 pounds in my hand and managed to get two tickets to me and my brother. So, and it, it was incredible. So, um, Cindy Crawford and Cher were sitting upstairs watching the whole show. So, really? And it, yeah. And at some point in the crowd, somebody spotted Cher and they put the spotlight on her. Because Richie was dating her at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, they put the spotlight on, and they, the whole crowd down the front looked looked up at her. So it was, uh, yeah, cause awesome gig, and it was uh, pretty much the same set list as an evening with. So they opened with with a little help from my friends, and did love for sale, and all the covers. They the animals covers are fantastic on that. So and uh, yeah, and then they didn't come back until the spring. So but it was it was the best. Everyone was talking. That was the hottest ticket in town. Everyone yeah. was. By that show. So, so, what was your? Did you see them in the eighties? I saw them first time. I saw them was eighty eight at Wembley Arena on okay. the New Jersey so, tour. So let me ask you before we wrap up: What was it like to see eighties Bon Jovi, and then all of a sudden see them in ninety two and this kind of? You know, it was it was definitely a new era. What was it like to see them from eighty eight to ninety two? The energy was still there, but they 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 streamlined their production. So I know some people were disappointed by it, that they didn't have the catwalks and uh, you know all the explosions and stuff like that. They had a very clean stage, um, but the energy and the sound was was totally still there, and the songs as well. So. That's incredible. Hey, didn't miss a beat. So. Yeah, well, buddy, you know, I'm looking forward to having you on again. You know, we'll talk more about you know different things, not just about an album and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of good discussions as we, you know, usually do through Twitter and stuff. So, but I want to thank you. I want to thank you for coming on. It was great talking with you. Sorry, you're you're talking to me at midnight. You know, we're in a six hour time difference, but. uh, Talking about. All right. Stay safe and uh, take care. Okay, buddy. You you too. Cheers. we'll, We'll see you.